listening to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Welcome to Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale, the weekly radio talk show where we unwrap and reveal the secrets that successful people use, and you can too. Available at successunwrappedradio.com. This podcast is sponsored by GoToMeeting at gotomeeting.com. These days, whether you're in business or simply want to share something with friends and family, email and voicemail sometimes just aren't enough. That's why you should try GoToMeeting, an online meeting solution that will revolutionize how you communicate with your business associates, family, and friends. GoToMeeting makes it easy to provide training and share information. All you need is a PC, an internet connection, and a phone. You invite people to meet you online, they see your computer screen on their monitor, and best of all, you can meet as long as you want, as often as you need, for one flat rate. Try it yourself for free for 45 days. No credit card is required. Just go to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and type in the promo code PODCAST. That's gotomeeting.com, Try It Free button, promo code PODCAST. Try GoToMeeting free today. My special guest this week is Robin Sharma, number one international best-selling author of seven books, including The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari series and Who Will Cry When You Die. Robin is one of the world's top experts on personal development and leadership and the CEO of Sharma Leadership International, Inc., which has trained and coached millions of people towards success, including dozens of Fortune 500 corporate clients. His latest book is the newly released The Greatness Guide, Powerful Secrets for Getting to World Class. Robin, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today to help us unwrap how to be great. Heather, it's great to be with you. First of all, could you let us know what is your definition of greatness? I I first of all believe that there are no extra people on the planet. So every single one of us has within us this ability to create an extraordinary life life and to be great. But our definitions will change based on, you know, what's most meaningful and what's most important to us. So to me, greatness is whatever your own unique personal mountaintop will look like. I spend a lot of time in the business community coaching and developing leaders, and a lot of people in business getting to greatness is creating a world-class organization. But being great could also be having a great family life or creating something special in the community that is going to be enduring and lasting or writing a book or being a great yoga teacher or just being a great human being. So I think the definition of great and greatness depends on what your values are and ultimately how you want to be remembered at the end of your life by your legacy. So what's a great Robin Sharma? Well, that's a great question. To me, I think my mission is all about helping people and organizations get to world class. So I think part of being a great Robin Sharma, and I always get afraid when I hear people referring to themselves in the third person, but um, to me it's it's making a a profound difference on many lives, uh, helping people remember that we all can be extraordinary. But a lot of being great in my life is also about being a great father. Um, I've got two children who are the great joys and blessings of my life, and I want to make sure that I develop them, I help them see their potential, I create world-class memories for them, uh, and then I create a a great foundation within our home where they can go out in the world and and shine brightly and and realize their potential. I think being great in my life is also making sure I'm in in great health, because one of the things I, I really focus on in the Greatness Guide is our health is our wealth. Health is one of those things we take for granted until we lose it. Um, I was in India giving a series of leadership presentations a while ago. A gentleman slipped a piece of paper to me, and on it it simply said, health is the crown on the well man's head that only the ill person can see. 
Mm. But to me, being great is, is making sure I'm healthy. Uh, greatness also, to me, means I've got to be having fun. I, I have to have a sense of adventure in my life. It doesn't mean that every day is great, because I, I must tell you, every day for me is not great. I've got good days. I've got challenging days like any other human being. But I want to live with a with a sense of sparkle and a, and a sense of adventure. And I think ultimately, to answer your question, being great is knowing that when I get to my the end of my life and I'm in my rocking chair and I'm looking back on my life, I'll say, you know what, I had some great times, I had some hard times, but I lived life on my own terms, by my values, I chased my dreams, and I don't have many regrets. Okay. Now, it's interesting when you're talking about our value systems, because it seems very simple, very obvious, but I know a lot of the listeners may not actually know what their value system is. Is there a way of determining what our values are so that we can then go on to become great and apply them to that value system? Absolutely. Um, I think most, most people don't know what their values are because they haven't taken the time to think about their values. It sounds so obvious, but I think it's true. Um, most people spend more time planning their summer vacations than they do thinking about their lives. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we wake up in the morning, we go out into the world, so many people live our lives like a five-alarm fire, and guess what happens? The days slip into weeks, the weeks slip into months, the months slip in, in, into years, and before we know it, we're old. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, I love interviewing elders. I say, you know, what's it like getting to where you're at? You know what they say? They say, Robin, I don't know where it all went. <laughs> I don't know where all the time slipped away. Before I, I, I remember when I was 22, now I'm 83. And I think your, your listeners can resonate with that, which is, Time slips away unbelievably quickly, and so and, and a life is an incredibly sad thing to waste. So, by spending some time thinking, I mean one of the the, the stories because the Greatness Guide, as you know, it's 101 chapters, 101 lessons. Each chapter is only about two pages. You can read the whole book in about a night. And one of the chapters is simply take the time to think, and that comes from the CEO of one of our clients, Satyam Computers, which is a very fast-growing. Firm, uh, IT firm in Asia. And I asked him, I said, what's your, the, the chairman, I said, what's the number one secret of the success that you've been able to generate? And he said, Robin, I make the time to think. I get up every morning while the rest of the world is asleep. I close my eyes. 45 minutes, I think about what's most important. So to answer your question in a, in a long way is to simply encourage people to take the time to think about your values. Take out a journal and write about what you want your legacy to be. What's most important to you? What are your dreams? What things need to happen between now and the rest of this, the end of this year for you to feel that this has been your best year to date? And then think about those things and then take some action around them. Okay. Now, like you mentioned, the Greatness Guide does contain 101 tips to help us move towards really experiencing life. You've mentioned one of them. Now, I'm sure all 101 are incredibly important, or you wouldn't have included them in the book, but do you have some favorites that you think are the most powerful? Uh, definitely. One is the, the chapter called The Steve Jobs Question. Steve Jobs, you know, he's one of my heroes in the business world for what he's done. I mean, how many people have transformed three industries? He transformed the computer industry with Apple Computer. He transformed uh, the film industry or the animation industry, what he did with Pixar, and he transformed the music industry with a little thing that most of us have in our back pockets called an iPod. Hmm. So Steve Jobs was uh, giving a speech to a group of people in an auditorium one day. He looks out in the crowd, sees this woman who attracts him. At the end of the speech, he walks down the steps into the audience, 
introduces himself and says, wow, you know, in his mind he's thinking, this is an amazing woman. He loves what she has to say. They have a great conversation. He wants to ask her to dinner that night, but he has a business meeting. So he takes her number, and he walks out to his car, and he's standing out in his parking lot, and he asks himself what I call in the Greatness Guide the Steve Jobs question. And the Steve Jobs question is this. He asked himself, what would I do if this was the last day of my life? We all know the answer. He runs back into the auditorium. Luckily, he finds the woman, asks her out. The woman is now his wife. (laughs) I think the point to remember is life is unbelievably unexpected. I think every one of us have, have, have experienced that life can turn in a day, and we don't know how long we get. And so by asking yourself the Steve Jobs question, in, in other words, like, what would I do today if I, if I really you know, needed to do something because life is slipping away really quickly? And I don't think that's a, a negative way to look at it. It just will give us some positive pressure on ourselves. So the Steve Jobs question is definitely one of my favorites. Another one of my favorite chapters from the book is Be Into Breezes. And I was at a at the tennis club with my kids in the summer. Um, there was a man, probably 80 years old. I was having a conversation with him. We're talking. Halfway into the conversation, he closes his eyes, he cl- and he's silent for about 30 seconds. Uh, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's happened to him. Eventually, he opens up his eyes. I said, excuse me, but what was that all about? And he said, oh, not much, Robin. It's just that these days, I'm really into breezes. Hmm. And the point of wisdom from that chapter is, most of us don't really appreciate what we have in our life and the simple pleasures of life until it's too late. And I think a great life is a balance of success as well as enjoying the simple pleasures. Now, of course, some of the people who apply the Steve Jobs question to their life are going to be just not going to work tomorrow. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, everything in life is all about a balance. I talk a lot in The Greatness Guide about taking risks because the greatest risk in life is, is riskless living. You're not going to ever get to greatness if you don't take some risks. But that doesn't mean that you take foolish risks. I, I'm suggesting that you take calculated risks. So asking yourself the Steve Jobs question, what would I do if today is my last, doesn't mean you, you'll, you, know, you'll leave your family and head out to the bed. It doesn't mean you quit work. Um, what it means is you live life with a greater sense of fearlessness. What it means is you start running towards some of the things that make you uncomfortable. And you know what? For some people, really realizing what they want to stand for in their lives might mean leaving the job they're in or leaving the relationships they're in. But really, it's ultimately about doing what's right for you and remembering that to get to greatness, I think it's important to run towards your fears rather than running away from your fears. Actually, that's pretty powerful. Run towards your fears instead of away from your fears, because I know that fears are the main thing that really hold people back from achieving the success that they want, achieving the dreams that they want. And they're not going to be running towards their fears most of the time. In fact, they're backing away from their fears. They're staying in their comfort zone. Where does that initiative, that motivation, that drive come from that will allow us to actually run towards the fears? I think part of it, Heather, is understanding that on the other side of our fears lives every single thing that we're aching for in our lives. I mean, what we do is, you're right, we all structure our lives, or most of us structure our lives to avoid our fears. We don't like public speaking. What do we do? We turn down the opportunity to speak at the Rotary Club. We're afraid we're going to get hurt in love. What do we do? We meet someone we like, but we're afraid of rejection. We don't ask them. We want a promotion at work, uh, but we need to take on a new project to do that, which brings up our fears of not being good enough or our fears of failure. What do we do? We turn down the promotion. And yet the, the interesting thing that I've realized, having worked with people around the world, 
is that 95% of the things we fear never even happen. Would you agree with me? Oh, yeah. Most of the things that frighten us, you know, that we run around in our head, what I call the voice of fear or all that mental chatter, you know, what happens if I fail? What happens if I'm not good enough? What happens if this happens? You know, I think psychologists have a term for it called catastrophizing. <laughs> but 95% of the things that we're afraid of never even happen. And so are we going to let our lives be kept small by this mental hallucination called fear? And so I think, you know, one of the things, I run a seminar every year in Toronto called the Awakening Best Self Weekend. And if anyone's interested in it, more information is at robinsharma.com. But people from all around the world come to these two and a half days. And we spend a lot of time talking about how to move through fear so you get to world class professionally as well as personally. And I always offer a metaphor, which is it's almost like our fears are these huge, we perceive them as these huge monsters that live in the basement. And we think that if we don't walk down the steps into the basement and have a look at them, that they're going to go away. (laughs) And yet those monsters that we don't deal with are creating and affecting every one of us our choices on a conscious level every day. I mean, I think that's a big idea. The fears that you think you might not even have are literally running your choices every single day. And what I encourage people to do at this seminar is to walk down the steps every morning, figuratively speaking, and get to know your fears. Because once you put a label on your fears, once you voice your fears, once you talk about your fears, they lose their power over you. Because once you know they're there, you can make different choices. It's only the fears you're not aware of that you can't deal with. Where the heck do all these fears come from in the first place? Well, they come from our our personal history. I I think fears like, uh, you know, and it might be interesting for your listeners to hear some of the the fears I've heard in in, in people that I've worked with. I mean, most people have the fear of failure. Most people have a fear of success. Most people have a fear of rejection. Most people have a fear of not good enough. Most people have a fear of being alone. Most people have a fear of not being great when they reach their rocking chairs. Where do the fears come from? They come from the messages we hear from our parents when we're we're growing up. They come from teachers sometimes. They come from the media. They come from our peers. And what starts to happen as we go through life, we start to pick up all of these fears and all these limiting beliefs from the world around us, and that forms what I call our stained glass window. It's the way we see the world. And we then become seduced into thinking that this stained glass window represents reality. But it doesn't represent reality. All it represents are all our beliefs. And so if you have a limiting belief that says, for example, uh, let's say, don't trust people because nice guys finish last. Hmm. I've heard that many times. People say, oh, if I'm too nice to people, they're going to take advantage of me. Well, if let's say your father told you that growing up because he had some bad experiences in his life where people were untrustworthy, then there's a very good chance, unless you've done some inner work on yourself and some leadership work on yourself, that you're going to be an adult and you might be 50 years old and you might not even know that subconsciously you have a belief that says, don't trust people. And imagine how that will affect you professionally, personally, in your relationships, in your career. Huge. Absolutely huge. And it's not until we have the courage to take some personal responsibility to start to look at ourselves, the way we think, the way we behave, that we can start to move beyond our past conditioning. So what's the secret to taking the stain off the glass window and seeing it clear? Well, you know, there are two very practical things you can do to get to know your personal context or your limiting beliefs or your fears. One thing is to talk about it. So you might be finding a trusted person who's on the same leadership path 
path of self-awareness that you're on. And once a week you meet in a Starbucks over a cup of coffee and you just talk about, you know, you talk about life. You talk about the way you see the world. You talk about your limitations. You talk about your fears. Another thing that is maybe a bit more private is journaling. And journaling is nothing more than having a conversation with yourself. And again, that's a great way to go deeper and start to look at, you know, the programs that you're running that are creating your external results. And I know you know this, and I know your listeners know this, but I think it bears repeating that ultimately you can never create anything in your outer life that's bigger than your own self-esteem. You know, in other words, the thing that uh, your outer life is a mirror. And we get from life not what we want, we get from life who we are. And as you start to go within and look at your limiting beliefs and, and, and install better thinking, and you look at the inner part of you that's creating your outer world, and you start to improve it so you can make better choices. And I don't think this is anything mystical. I think it's just as you know better, you can do better, make better and healthier choices. But that's how you create a world-class life. I mean, I spent a lot of my life in, with businesses like Nike and FedEx and Microsoft and, you know, in Canada, many of the banks, et cetera. And ultimately, leadership is an inside game. It doesn't mean that you don't need to do the external stuff to build a world-class company and better client relationships and, you know, greater revenues. Those things are very important. But it all, ultimately, it all begins within by looking at the way you're seeing the world and taking responsibility for the choices that you're making. You can visit Robin's website, listen to his podcasts, read his articles, and visit his forum at robinsharma.com. And I hope you've enjoyed the first segment of our interview. But it's not over. There's a full 200% more than what you just heard where we delve deeper into these success principles. To unwrap the full interview and get lots more tools for success, just sign up to become a Success Unwrapped member on any level you choose at successunwrapped.com slash members. This has been Success Unwrapped with Heather Vale. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of Success Unwrapped, helping you to unwrap and discover your own potential for success. Until next time, keep unwrapping. I'm Heather Vale. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network at Blueberry.com. That's spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot com.